0: Welcome everyone. My guest today is Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content to talk about the buyer commission lawsuits and how the outcome of those lawsuits could help or hurt consumers. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HousingWire with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM. Melinda, what types of products and enhancements has UWM rolled out this year to help set brokers up for success?
1: it's been a big year for us of rolling out product updates and some enhancements to our tools um, our whole goal always is to make the broker succeed in whatever cycle is around so we uh, we do everything we can to focus on the broker experience and really importantly focus on the borrower experience so a few of the things we've done this year um, safe check complete uh, has been a, a recent rollout for us our 1% down program has been an absolute hit to really help in that affordable space and to help people get into homes who couldn't otherwise do so uh, we've had had some great product expansions with our uh, bank statement program, as well as our jumbo program to allow more flexibility and uh, to fit more borrowers into there. So it's really been a great year. We've done a lot of great things that we're really happy about, really proud of.
0: A lot of robust products. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com.
1: Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. It sounds like we have a lot to talk about with the commission lawsuits.
0: We do. And what I wanted to get, so we, you know, we have James Kleiman, our managing editor, there on the ground. He's giving us like updates. He's he's taking notes and sending them to Brooklyn, who's writing up the, you know, um, the stories about what happens every day. And then he and I are doing a short mini podcast at night. So what I wanted to ask you about was more like taking a step back and talking about why these commission lawsuits are important to, you know, everybody, you know, not just people in real estate, but also um, we we published an op-ed from Steve Murray, who was the founder of Real Trends, which is now part of Housing Wire, and he listed out five ways that he thinks the class action commission lawsuits are misguided. And I would love to go through those with you because you've talked to him on your podcast about it. And I, I know you just know this space so well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Now Steve has um, you know, years and years of industry experience, but more than that, he is, he has been an expert witness on some uh, real estate antitrust cases in the past representing NAR and um, other different companies through some, some of these cases, several of which were actually dismissed. Um, And so he, he comes from a, uh, you know, obviously A knowledge standpoint that most of us don't have, Um, you know, being kind of right in the weeds with some of these cases. Um, And one of the very first things that he said is that in real estate, you are never obligated to work with a real estate agent. Um, You know, you can sell your home for sale by owner, Um, you can work. With you don't have to have a buyer's agent. You can work directly, find a, find the home you like, and go directly to the listing agent. Um, that you are free to buy and sell a home as a consumer, um, with without an agent, and that many many um consumer studies that Real Trends and Harris Insights has have done. They did one. Let's see, there are six of them. One starting in 20, um, 2002, and the last one was twenty nineteen that um, reinforce the fact that most consumers, well, I don't know if it's most consumers, let's say these surveys show that the consumers filling out these surveys understand that commissions are negotiable. And um, obviously not everyone does understand that. Um, And, you know, Steve is pretty harsh on why they don't understand it. But, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't buy a home very often, so they just don't know. Um, it could be first-time home buyers who who don't really understand that that commissions are negotiable. Um, but that is one of the big points that he makes is that commissions are negotiable. The other point he makes is that consumers have options. There are companies known as discount brokers who are out there. Redfin is a big one, um, and in the in the commentary, he cited that they have 50 million unique visitors on their website each month, and they offer discounted listing and lower-cost buy-side commissions, and they're available in most metropolitan market, metropolitan markets in the US, um, despite that they have less than 1% of the market share in all the transactions. Um, and then, of course, before that, you had to help you sell, um, which is still around, assist to sell in Zip Realty. Um, and they, they did make some inroads into the market, but not really enough. And the question is why, why aren't consumers using those discount firms? Um, so one of the things he really talks about is that this is a huge transaction and most consumers want a professional who understands the market, understands their local market, Understands the contracts or can fill out the contracts um, to assist them in that transaction, and they're generally willing to pay for that service. Um, and if they're not willing to pay, they can negotiate the fee. Um, so those are two of the the biggest points he makes in in the commentary. Because the 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 whole thing about the commission lawsuits is it's saying that it
0: an. Un- has unfairly basically fixed prices for the, um, for the buyer broker. Right. So on the buy side that, that, that real estate agent, it's kind of like consumers don't know, Oh, I don't have to pay them that much. Like I, I could negotiate that, but there are all sorts of what Steve's saying is there have always been a lot of options and people still choose that option because that's what they want.
1: Yes. Um and and that is what he's saying. Um you know, I think that there've been quite a few studies that have actually shown that including the consumer studies that um Real Trends did with Harris Insights. Um the other thing he mentions is that the average commission rate has actually um gone down over the years. So Real Trends um and, and now HousingWire keeps that data, but they started collecting that data from 1991, where commissions, um, I, I'd have to look at the chart, but they were about 6.2 percent. Um, and over the years, they have gone down to a low of of four, you know, about four percent, four and a half percent. And that was based on our proprietary data. So we looked at just the public companies, public real estate companies for 2002, so 2022, and commissions um, had jumped a little bit. So they haven't they haven't lowered a ton. It's been maybe a percent percent and a half over the years. Um, and we don't have a full picture from from 2022 because we're only we're not looking at the full data set that we that we used to look at. Um, but you've, you've also got the fact that, you know, these commission rates have gone down over the years, which is interesting. Um, when obviously someone knows you can, you can, um, negotiate them for sure.
0: I think another big part of this, um, commission lawsuit that to me as a consumer, I've bought, I don't know, five, six houses in my life. It's still sort of a black box, like the, the multiple listing services, Right. Like and how they are, um, you know, it's it's part of the whole um, way that we do real estate transactions in this country and in Canada is through these listing services. And that's all tied up in NAR and the realtors. Um, What can can you explain a little bit about why we need from from Steve's perspective, why we would need those MLSs and what what their value
1: is? So the value is in the accuracy of the data about the homes that are for sale and comparable data on past sales in order for price comparisons. When you um, basically, it helps to make, according to Steve, the market more efficient and fair um, that these rules are are kind of reinforced or enforced by the MLSs. Um, and he he basically said if you take out take the mls out of the picture and you have the portals well none of the portals are geared to really police the accuracy of the data provided by sellers um, and they also don't police agent conduct in the market, um, which obviously NAR through their code of ethics does as well. So um, he's saying that if you without an MLS, you'd be at the mercy of three to four large national portals and their business models aren't really geared to do what he calls the messy oversight of the market. Um, and nor would, in his opinion, they want the liability to do so. So you have... Um, the MLS kind of policing that data and providing more accuracy to the market. Um, and I, and I believe that he also talked a little bit about the real estate portals and in like the argument was always that other countries, their commission rates aren't as high as the U the U S and what he says they fail to take into account is that they lack the MLS's um, is I- you know, the real value of the MLS and they lack the cooperation between agents and brokers, which means that um, consumers are kind of left to their own devices to find out what's available in their market on what homes are for sale. And they're forced to deal with multiple agents and brokerage firms to find the right home and determine the right price for the sale of their home. So yes, maybe commission rates aren't as high as they are in the U.S., but what he's saying is because we have NAR and we have the MLSs that the accuracy of our data and the efficiency of the transaction and accuracy in pricing make uh, that whole marketplace makes it much more efficient and accurate um, uh, for home buyers and sellers.
0: This is Sarah Wheeler, editor in chief at Housing Wire, with Ryan Marshall, CEO and founder of Equity Protect to talk about a very specific and growing kind of fraud risk. Ryan, who is really at risk of deed fraud?
2: So that's a great question. I think we should first state that the people who are not at risk are people that just recently acquired their properties, people that have loans on their properties, often high loan amounts, high loan to values on their properties. Um, Those are people who I would consider as very low risk and people that should probably not consider our service as a service. So as of November of 2022, we've identified 83 million parcels across the nation, which is roughly 54% of the total parcels in the entire country who we've deemed as vulnerable. Uh, these parcels are specifically ones that don't have mortgages, parcels where they are non owner occupied properties where the mailing address isn't associated with the side address. Um, And they're in some type of vacation area or vacation property area where lawful homeowners wouldn't necessarily know if an appraiser showed up or if somebody just drove by your property and and did a quick appraisal on it.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Listeners, you can find out more information at equityprotect.com. So... It's still unclear to me, right? So maybe this is an explain mm-hmm. it like I'm five moment. Sure. Like if I'm looking at mm-hmm. Zillow instead of the MLS, like how is it that Zillow doesn't serve consumers as well as an MLS? Or is Zillow taking from the MLS and that that's what's happening?
1: So I do believe that Zillow takes that listing information from the MLS, but they do not um they do not offer cooperation and compensation like the MLS does. So they're just providing the information about that listing. They're not providing um, any type of of cooperation with another agent to sell that property. They're not providing um, you know any representation to the to the seller or to the buyer. Um, you know, they're basically providing that information. And do they, do they provide enough to get price comparisons? Yes. Obviously, Zillow has the Zestimate and, and that, but they're really relying on the MLSs for the accuracy of their data. They're not policing it. So if you don't have the MLSs giving them that feed and the MLSs go away, you're leaving it up to the agents to enter all of their information on the properties into a portal, let's say with no verification of that information and no offer of compensation with that offer. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense, and I can see how that. I think it's hard as a consumer to parse that because it's like mm-hmm. I go on Zillow to find it. Oh, and I found it. Oh, that's great. And then I tell my agent. Or in, in the case of mm-hmm. when I bought a house in Colorado, um, Zillow said because I don't know anybody in Colorado, it was like, hey, do you want to talk to this agent and set up a you know set up an mm-hmm. open house? So I was like, sure. And you know, we ended up buying that house. So it's just interesting to me, you know, like um, what that policing looks like.
1: Yeah, I think that. Um- you know, there are specific uh, requirements that the MLS has in, in entering the data into their system and, and certain fields that must be filled in and, and certain, um, you know, obviously it's it's to the broker's best interest to enter all of the information accurately, but it's really that offer of compensation that, that makes all the difference. Um, you When you are looking on Zillow for a property, you're contacting that agent um, and you might, if you're buying a property um, you are going directly to the listing agent generally. Um, and at that point you're probably not, unless you have an agent who you're working as a buyer's agent, you, uh, might not be represented. You might be going to directly to that listing agent and you don't actually have representation yourself. And if you're new or don't really understand the home buying process, you know, you're relying on that listing agent to tell you in certain states there, you for example, Florida is a transaction brokerage state. That means you, by default, you're a transaction broker. You do not represent the seller and you do not represent the buyer. You are merely putting the transaction together. Um, so there are certain duties associated with that. And honestly, I don't know exactly what those are, but, um, you can still be sign, you know, you can still be a buyer's agent in Florida. You can, there is a contract in Florida, buyer broker agreement that you can have your, um, the buyer sign that you represent them. So there is still that option, but it's very confusing um, to most consumers. Uh, they don't understand that they don't necessarily have representation in the transaction, um, and I think that what this whole case will do, no matter what the outcome, is really bring trans- more, even more transparency to the transaction on how everyone is getting paid and what representation they have, um, which most states require you to actually disclose the representation that you offer to the people you're working with.
0: Well, and, you know, the the members of the jury are those consumers who may or may not have any knowledge of the real estate transaction. They may or may not have bought a home before. Um, they may be in the industry or not. Um, so it's interesting to to look at, you know, if it's not clear to consumers, well, those are the people who are deciding this trial, right?
1: Yeah. And, and I also think that one thing that I haven't seen discussed at all is um, let's you know we don't know what they're going to decide we don't know what the jury's going to decide but let's say they're going to separate the compensation um so right now the um seller pays the buyer's um commission the buyer's agent's commission or the other agent's commission there's cooperation between the two the listing agent and the buyer's agent um and that goes through the seller so if they separate those And buyers have to pay the commission to their agent and sellers pay it to their agent. You're looking at some real issues with um, affordability for homes. A lot of buyers, it's hard enough to get a down payment together. Now they also have to pay their agent. Um, And you're you're also from an agent side. You're not guaranteed that payment, even if you have a contract. Who's enforcing that? And what do you do to enforce that? Do you go to court for it? Um, you know, these are people you want to work with again. So it's a very difficult situation. and it could actually hurt buyers. And that wasn't part of what Steve wrote about, but it is part of what I have heard from talking to brokers around the country, you know, just that extra, you factored in and it could push them to a point, um, with a lender that they might not qualify for, for the home as well. Cause they might want to roll that into the cost of the home, into their mortgage to pay that commission as well. So, well, and, um,
0: you talk about affordability, we know first time home buyers, I mean, they're, they're the ones who are going to get hit the hardest if we change this. Um, other people will say that they will gain more, right? Because in, um, but if you look at first-time home buyers who don't have the asset, right, oh, I have this money from selling my other house. They're having to come up with the cash for the down payment and now they're outside of that in a totally different thing going to have to come up with the how to pay and how is that going to work? Is that a check? Is that a wire transfer? Is that a, like these, these things that have not been, of course we don't have a verdict, but these things have not been outlined in any way. And I remember anytime you make a change in the transaction, it's like this little pebble that sends out a huge ripple until it's like a tsunami, right? I mean, think about TRID and other things in the mortgage process. So I think that that's why this is such a big deal. I mean, we've committed a lot of resources to this. Um, you know, people are very interested in this because it's going to change. it. Depending on what the verdict is, it could really change things.
1: Um, no matter what, I think it will change things for the positive. Um, I, I don't think by any chance, it, by any means, it's a negative right now. But what I mean is that I think that more. Agents will be trained on, you know, showing the value that they offer to buyers and sellers and and really delivering that value. I feel like it will become more of a profession in in that um, they'll be... The, the agents will be better trained on explaining exactly what they're doing and how they're providing value. And I also think that it, should they decide to move to buyer representation agreements and that as well, um, you know, I think that'll be another step that a lot of brokers will bring into to their brokerages um, moving forward. So I do think that things will will definitely change maybe not as much as people are worried about but in a positive way it could really um it could really be good for the industry
0: so you talk to a lot of brokers and agents what's the consensus there do they share your optimism that this will be better in the
1: end i think i do think so yes i think it's a mix um You know, uh, I was taught when I was talking to Steve, he told me about a broker in the Northwest who actually um, has worked with their state regulators on making a buyer agent representation um, agreement mandatory in their state. I think a lot of brokers are being very proactive and making changes now. um, And I do feel like most of them feel I wouldn't say positive, but maybe cautiously optimistic because I do believe that everyone wants to make the industry a better play, you know, a better industry. Everyone in the industry for the most part wants to make it a better industry, and if they have to make those changes to do it, I think most of them that I've talked to are are willing to to make those changes because they truly do care about the consumers they truly. Um, you know, at least the ones I talk to, they truly do care about um, being a resource in the community, and you know, a lot of them are very, very active in the community. Um, from a you know a a uh, volunteerism and um, support side, so so yeah. Tracy, thank you so much for
0: uh, you know, lending us your insight here. You have been covering this. Uh, this industry for so long, you know, so many people, I appreciate it. And I look forward to your coverage when you're in Kansas City for this trial, you're going to be there for the verdict. So it'll be uh, that's a, still a couple weeks away, but I'm looking forward to it. Thank you.